0: This is the Vegetarian Zen Podcast, episode number 287. Hey there, Veg Zenners! Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthier plant-based lifestyle. I am one of your hosts, Vicky. And this is Larissa. Now, Ayurveda is recognized as one of the oldest healing systems developed in India somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000 years ago. The Sanskrit word Ayurveda means Ayur is broken down into science or knowledge and Veda, which means life. So it's really the science slash knowledge of life. Practitioners of Ayurveda believe believe that the body, mind, and spirit are intricately intricately interwoven. I had to, you know how I pronounce things. (laughs) I get tongue-tied quite a bit. It's right in my brain. It just doesn't come out (laughs) right in my mouth. Uh, Good health is dependent on a healthy balance between all three of these, the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so the Ayurvedic approach to health is one of prevention rather than what is really in a lot of conventional medicine which is more of treatment when things have already gone awry so we are very happy to bring you today an interview with an ayurvedic wellness practitioner shivani gupta
1: yes so shivani gupta is an ayurvedic wellness practitioner and serial eco and social entrepreneur and she was born and raised in houston texas to a loving traditional indian family She first learned about healthy eating, organic foods, and effective supplements from her father, who brought ancient Ayurvedic practices into the family's daily lives. Shivani took this knowledge to the next level, backing inherited wisdom from her family with modern science. She obtained a PhD in Ayurvedic studies, and she is the founder of Fusionary Formulas and author of Conscious Pregnancy. Excellent.
0: And before we bring Shivani on the show, we do want to give a special shout out to our sponsor today, the Golden Apple Roundtable. These are the folks at Patreon.com who provide us with a monetary show of support every month that make these types of of, uh, shows possible. They help to keep the lights on here. If you're interested in learning how to support the show, please head out to Patreon.com forward slash Vegetarian Zen. Without further ado, let's bring on Shivani. Okay, welcome Shivani to the show. Thank you. So Shivani, can you tell us a little bit of your background uh, before we get into what Ayurveda is? Sure.
2: So my background is I have always been very passionate about health and wellness and what we can do for our bodies to feel our best. Growing up, I saw my family really suffer with the advanced stages of diabetes. And I always thought if there's some way for me to just prevent all of that, prevent it for my parents, prevent it for my siblings, and prevent it for myself. I want to figure out that formula and I want to go do that. Um, And so my whole life has really been dedicated to trying things on myself, understanding what works, studying abroad on health and wellness, visiting all the best spas in the world. I'm just really into what makes my body feel amazing, look amazing, and function the way I need it to. Like I want to have the energy, stamina, endurance, and strength to get through life happily and not end up with the whole last quarter of my life being about disease management.
0: It really makes a big difference on the quality of your life too, how you feel. I know some days when I just don't feel well, everything just seems out of balance. And it's really amazing how, how that can affect you, how you feel. Absolutely. And
2: pain can too. So mm-hmm. a lot of our choices through our 30s, 40s, sometimes even 20s I've seen can lead to a lot of chronic pain, chronic joint pain, you know, lingering in, in injuries that change your mobility, that change your ability to do things. And then you're kind of a more stuck person. Right. And I think that stuckness applies across the board, which isn't good.
0: Definitely. You know, back in 2016, I was involved in a car accident and I had my Achilles tendon completely ruptured. And I had been very, right before that, I was training for a half marathon and was very active. And when that happened, everything came to a halt. And even though I've been heavy most of my adult life, I, was also, I always moved. I loved moving. I had a personal trainer. I, you know, like I said, I was doing the marathon thing. And when that happened, I, I personally didn't realize how mentally dependent I was on my body. You know, yeah. how how that really, it sent me into a depression for over a year, just being away from that, not being able to move. And, and especially when it's such a serious injury like the Achilles tendon, where I couldn't do, I couldn't even really walk. Wow. So that was really difficult, but it, it is amazing to me. And this is why these... Um, Ayurveda interests me as as a whole body uh, system. And let's talk about that. I want to still, you can explain this much better than me. So what is is Ayurveda for those who are not familiar with it?
2: Sure. So Ayurveda is an ancient system of medicine from India that's over 5,000 years old. And what I love about it is it's a whole system. It's body, mind, and spirit. It acknowledges that we are a whole being, not just our physical body parts that make us up. Or that make up who we are. And it has all these things under its umbrella. So Ayurveda encompasses yoga, pranayama, which is deep breathing, nutrition, detoxification, herbology, energy medicine. There's so much to it. There's also disease and surgery management as well, but there's so much in terms of the beautiful ways it allows you to invest in your preventive health. And I always love jumping into the self-care part. I studied all, all of Ayurveda. I did my masters in it, I did my PhD in it. I've traveled to India many times and studied under the gurus there. And as an American-born person who studied Ayurveda, I always looked at it from a perspective of what can I bring back to my people? What can I give to those people who who want a quicker, easier fix? We're not into the long drawn out version of doing things here in the US. So what can modern society really take from it and apply? And so self-care is that first piece that I've been educating on the most.
0: Yeah, I think a big gap in, in modern medicine, a, at least in my experience, has been that, like you said, Ayurveda is about preventing. I think uh, modern medicine is a lot about treating that's what's already happened. you know. Exactly. So, so I, I know that's a big gap as well. And I
2: do find that a lot of people look at me and say, you know what, Shivani, that's still a lot of time to spend on preventive health, as if preventive means One day, maybe that thing will happen. And I used to think that way too, right? In your 20s and 30s, you're like, whatever. My body's awesome and fine. I'll see what happens later Um, or in your teens and 20s, really. And now that I'm watching my own family go into their 60s and 70s, it's becoming such a fast reality check to me that prevention is not as um, amorphous or uncertain as we think it is daily prevention or weekly at least prevention is required if you want good quality of life later. And that later I think is moving up. So I always thought, oh, when my parents are in their 70s, late 80s, then we will start that whole thing with going to the doctor a lot and managing disease. And I'm noticing in our population, it's coming much earlier. Um, Yes, people are vibrant in their 50s and 60s, but I'm also seeing a lot more disease and disability and so that's a concern of mine is what are those things we can do to prevent that and keep quality of life much longer?
0: hmm Yeah. Okay. So um, from what I understand, you, you got a lot of interest. You gained a lot of interest in Ayurveda from your father. So he was from India?
2: Yes. My parents were born in India and they came to the U.S. And my father, his mother had a quadruple bypass. And he had always been interested in health and wellness. But when that happened, he became obsessed. He went to every holistic doctor. He bought every gadget machinery, brought it home. He basically brought her from India and did like a boot camp and fed her green juice and supplements and totally just changed her whole life and turned it around. And so I grew up with that. And afterwards, he, of course, maintained it. He said, listen, children, you know this is the investment you need to make in your health. You need to cut salt, fat, and sugar down. You need to increase supplements and take more greens, and this is why. So, because I grew up in a household that always taught me why something was important, I have always considered those mandatory parts of my life.
0: Yeah, that's great because I know you know here, particularly here in the United States, our diets are so poor. You know the the standard American diet, the sad diet. (laughs) Exactly. uh, Very poor. I was even talking to a relative of mine who said, "You know, I don't eat any greens." And if you look at him, he, he looks healthy and he doesn't look unhealthy, but he's, he said that because he wasn't feeling so good, you know? And, and I think that that just says a lot about our, our diet here in the United States.
2: It does. And you know what? Society and our lives have gotten so busy. Mm -hmm. So what are we reaching for? We're reaching for what's easy and convenient. I'm in the same boat as everyone else. So I remember I went to my acupuncturist one time and she said, Shivani, write down what you're eating. I wrote it down and she said, you're a carboholic. Do you realize how much bread and carbs you eat? And I said, well, that's what keeps me full. I have to eat that to keep myself full. And as a vegetarian, I've been vegetarian my whole life. I truly believed that. And then she said, well, I need to put you on a detox protocol. And it was a plant-based one, of course. Mm-hmm. I did it and I realized, well, vegetables can be very filling Other foods can be very filling. We don't have to do that much. Um, And I find myself as a vegetarian evolving. I still crave a lot of my other foods, but I used to have cheese on toast every morning as my breakfast. Um, And now I have green juice or I have a protein shake that's plant-based. I have other options now. So you're right. We definitely make those junk food choices sometimes over the good foods. And it's just about training the palate.
0: Yes. Guilty. My my guilt, my, um, my guilty pleasure is carbs. <laughs> That's my problem right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's tough. It's not yeah. easy. I um I found herbs from India that I discovered from Ayurveda that turn off the tongue's ability to taste carbs and sugar. And so I heavily lean on those herbs right now to keep me especially during the holidays when life is busy, it uh-huh. keeps me from, you know, reaching for those foods that I don't want to eat but somehow they end up in my
1: mouth every evening. <laughs>
0: Yeah, especially in the
1: evening. Like, that, that sounds like something a lot of us could use. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's actually
2: in a supplement that I developed called Carb Control. And oh, I put really? that one together just so I could avoid eating the carbs and sugar because I found every day right around 3, I was really tired. So at 3 o'clock I'd reach for the caffeine, green tea, but then you'd want something with it. Or you get home at the end of your day at 5, 6, or 7, and you're just starving and you eat everything in sight. And so I developed this one just to help reduce the appetite and then eat less carbs and sugar specifically. So we can make those healthier choices and not the unhealthier
0: ones. Oh, that's very cool. Cause that's about when it hits for me. And I think a lot of people yeah. right around 3 PM. Yes. yes. Yeah.
2: yeah. it's when the energy lull happens. Mm-hmm. I've also started buying a green juice around that time or having one ready and packed with me in a cooler. And the green juice somehow happened. It has all these plant nutrients that give you a, like a very subtle level of energy, but it's what you're craving as opposed to the sugar that would give me that high and that low.
0: Yeah, what we started to do as well is because we have the flexibility from we work from home for ourselves, right around that time, we've started taking a nap. So that also helps to re- regenerate because right. that would be the time where I'd reach, oh no, I got to stay awake. And I know I realize a lot of people don't have that flexibility, but <laughs> if you do have that flexibility, that's the best nap time for, that I find for myself because I really just wanted to try to stay awake and your body says, well, give me sugar, or give me food, give me carbs, you know, to try to do that. But if I can just rest and recharge, that usually does it for me.
1: It does. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, well, obviously you can't eat while you're sleeping. um, But when I wake up, when I first wake up uh, from sleeping, I'm not hungry. I don't have an appetite. So, you know, that kind of helps to push that off a little bit too.
2: That's such a great idea. I love that. I mean, in the society we are in, so many people do work from home. So it's a great option, even if it's a 10 minute power Mm -hmm. nap. Right. And another one would be, I have found hydrating and a hearty snack. So sometimes I find if, if you run around all day, really you're dehydrated and you don't realize it. Um, and it's only dinner time that you realize how thirsty you are or a really hearty snack like almond butter on apples or almond, almond butter on Ezekiel bread. It'll be filling enough that by the time you get to dinner, you can make that healthier choice at dinner
0: yeah and when I make the wrong choice and I eat junk food, I find that'm you eat it and then you're not you're you're still hungry because yeah, it's not satisfied. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. as opposed to if I have something like like you just described Yeah. Okay. So let's move in. I wanted to talk a little bit more, a little bit deeper into Ayurveda and specifically about the doshas and the concept of the doshas. Because this is we we took this dosha quiz, as I mentioned to you before we we started recording, uh, on the Chopra Center, which we'll have a link to. And you're coming up with one yourself, but for now we'll have a link out to that one. Um, Can you describe a little bit about the concept of the doshas? Sure. So in Ayurveda,
2: the doshas are a way to help distinguish what body type someone is, and it really helps an Ayurvedic practitioner understand how to diagnose or treat or really um, guide the patient in front of them. So there's three types of doshas. There's vata, pitta, and kapha. You can pronounce them Vada, pitta, and kapha if you want to. That's the more Americanized way of saying it but these three doshas represent so much. So it's not just like, oh, you know, you have this body type or that body type. It's not apple or pear. It's more that you have a certain mindset. You have a certain emotional um, set of attributes. You have certain physical attributes. You have certain inclinations. And so it really helps to understand when you're out of balance, how to move you back towards balance. I agree that's all about being in your most balanced state.
0: Yeah, so the quiz on the Chopra Center was very was only about maybe eight, ten questions at most, and it did touch it did touch on um, both your body type and then also your your behavior your personality type as well. So that exactly. I guess is, is how it comes up with where which one you are or which combination. Exactly. I guess what I love about this also because I firmly believe this there's there's so many kind of prescriptive things that that um, in our modern society that says, oh, you're pear-shaped, then you need to eat less of this or that without taking into account a lot of different factors. And what I like about Ayurveda is that its principle is that we're all very different and what works for one won't work for somebody else. I think, exactly. yeah, in, the, in modern medicine, I think we tend to just more lump these or conventional, modern conventional medicine, kind of more lump, people into these broad categories. And it doesn't necessarily work. What works for one doesn't work for the other.
2: Exactly. And that's why even with the doshas, I tell people, look, you can be a dosha and you can still have the tendencies or imbalances of another. Um, Mm -hmm. In modern day society, 90% of us are vata imbalanced. So, I always tell people, look at vata and try to balance that one first because that is one of your layers of imbalance. Then let's talk about what your dosha is and how you should live according to it. What I loved personally about the doshas was it really helped me understand my personality better so I wouldn't fight against myself. So a vata person is much more of like a high speed all over the place, trying to do everything, loves everything, always in motion, like we relate it to the wind versus mm-hmm. a fit person is more fire. They are sharp personality. They get jealous, they get angry, but they're very laser focused and they drive a result. So there's good and bad in every kind. And then a kapha is more loyal. They're slow moving. They're all about nurturing everybody. And so growing up, I always thought I was pitta, because I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. And then now that I've studied and studied Ayurveda, I've realized actually I am a lot more kapha. I nurture and I just want to love everybody. And I am slower moving than I want to be. And then I'm also a bit of a vata where I want to still do these 18 things. So sometimes I balance the first half of my day for my kapha personality. And then I balance my second half of my day with self-care for my vata personality. And then I end up more satisfied with my life overall. As opposed to saying and beating myself up on the inside and saying, Shivani, why couldn't you just get the work done? Shivani, Like there's so much to do and you're so slow about it. Why can't you be more decisive? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of understanding your own personality type is from birth and saying, okay, well, I'm not going to change my whole personality for a goal. So let me see how I can work with who I am.
0: And it causes a lot of stress and anxiety too, I think, when you try to when you're, when you're outside of that, when you're trying yeah. to make yourself something you're not. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I came back, my quiz showed that I was kapha and I do see a lot of uh, vata in myself as well.
2: Yes. And I, I always thought studying Ayurveda that that's impossible. How could you be a kapha vata? They're opposite mm-hmm. extremes. And so anyone who is my personality type, those two types I sit them down and explain how I manage my life because (laughs) I had to craft it. And it's, I think, why I've become this queen of self-care. And I love teaching self-care all day because I need it more than anybody else. This type of personality, this type of body sometimes needs more self-care just to stay grounded. And so... You know, you always teach and preach what you need the most.
0: Right. Larissa's quiz came back as all three. I was just going to say, I Ooh. came back as
2: all three. Yeah. You're three doshik. You're balanced. That's awesome. I
1: don't feel balanced, but I okay. Know.
2: <laughs> I know. That's what's funny. I know another three doshik, and she's like, you know, I just wish they had told me which one I was imbalanced in, and then I could go fix it. <laughs> You're a more troublesome case. We have to look a little deeper.
1: <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I'm looking at, at uh, the notes that we have, and it says that there are eight branches of Ayurveda. Can you talk a little bit about those eight branches? Yes. So it, it's interesting. The branches of Ayurveda
2: are so beautiful because of how well they work together. So one would be, you know, pranayama, deep breathing, the power of prana or breath, which is our life force. Another one that's very important is nutrition. Ayurveda gives a full detail of the foods we should be eating and the foods that are good for us, the foods that are bad for us, the foods that make us angry and upset versus the ones that keep us like Zen yogis. Um, And there's a lot of healthy food guidelines that I like to teach out of Ayurveda, like don't drink water right before or after a meal and different things like that, that are just overall tips for better digestion. Um, Another great limb of Ayurveda that that we teach about is the herbs. So herbology, which I happen to study very deeply, and what those herbs out of Ayurveda can do. In India, they used herbs as medicine for thousands of years, and they truly refined what herbs could do for you. Um, And so I studied turmeric, ashwagandha, all these herbs in great detail because I was always trying to understand what are those top five like preventive things I could do every day that would prevent me from getting that diabetes or that quadruple bypass or all the things I saw happening to my grandparents.
0: Yeah. Can you just, I I really want to talk about turmeric and ashwagandha as well. Those are very, ashwagandha was something I just learned about through you, but when we talked a little bit before we started recording, but turmeric is something that we've talked about a bit on the podcast in the past, and we even shared some uh, recipes for how to incorporate that, like in a certain teas and such. But can you talk a little bit about those? Because I I do think I, I know turmeric definitely is something that um, in in what we've researched is it's, it's super. It's a superb.
2: It is. It really is a super herb. And I I fell in love with it years ago when I realized what a powerful anti-inflammatory it was. And at Ayurveda the conferences, the Ayurvedic doctors always say, you know what? Twenty plus years ago, we were here in the U.S. explaining what it could do, and no one believed us. And now all this science has come out. There's over six thousand scientific studies that show that curcumin, the extract from black pepper uh, from turmeric plus black pepper, have such a powerful impact on the body. So I finished my master's. I just did my PhD in these last few years on turmeric, and I got a chance to really sit down and read the science and comb through it and understand the benefits, and then also what's up and coming that we still need to study to understand it. So what I tell people is out of turmeric, only 3% of it is the three curcuminoids. And of those three curcuminoids, only one curcumin is the most effective at reducing inflammation. And so in my product that I developed, I sourced the most potent form of curcumin in the world, because my goal was to see if if we dramatically reduce inflammation in the body, Can we reduce people's pain, their chronic joint pain, and all their other issues? And that's the feedback I've been getting these last couple of years is when people take it, they say that it's so different than anything else they've taken. It's a lot stronger, and they're able to really feel the difference. Because turmeric does so much. It's anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal. It's an immune support. So I kind of take it for everything. Like if anyone needs me, I'm like, I think turmeric could help with that. Because it's kind of a super herb. It does so much for the body that I think it's the ultimate multi or preventive that we should all take every day.
0: Yeah, I started incorporating that now daily. Usually what I do in the morning now is I have it with um, hot water, lemon, turmeric, uh, ginger, and black pepper. And I just kind of mixed that all together and has started drinking that. And um, it's just recent, so I can't say necessarily, oh, I feel so much different. But I mean, I am a believer that I've now made that part of my morning ritual.
2: That's good. Yeah. You know, what I do teach is that raw turmeric was never used in ancient India. So a lot of people are juicing it. Mm-hmm. I don't really see the point. I think that in the raw form, it's very hard to absorb or get enough to get the impact you want. Mm -hmm. When you dry turmeric out into the spice, that is what we used in India for thousands of years now. But in our American population, we don't get enough turmeric in our diet to truly move the needle when it comes to inflammation. So it's a superfood. It's good to incorporate. But if you have known inflammation in the body or you really want to prevent what's in your family history or issues that you've seen or issues that you know of in your body, then I think it's worth it to take a curcumin supplement Mm -hmm. to really drive down inflammation. Because we know now that inflammation is the root cause of so many diseases. Every single itis is inflammation in the body. So that chronic low-grade persistent inflammation is what later leads to metabolic diseases. And so what I tell people is, look, you know, diabetes is what I was scared of in my house, and so that's why I take it. Um, you have to figure out for your family history and your body, you know, what amount you need to be successful with it.
0: Okay, what about ashwagandha? That's mm-hmm. that's brand new to me. I haven't heard that. About. Yeah,
2: ashwagandha, I think, is going to be the next turmeric because mm-hmm. everyone knows turmeric. Everyone's tried it. Um, I always convince them to put the other one on hold try mine and then like see if they feel a difference but ashwagandha when i created the supplement line i i didn't even take ashwagandha in my own product line and then when i took it i realized it wasn't i didn't need it as a pre workout post workout support i loved the way it balanced my mood and helps balance hormones and helps if you're stressed out to calm you down and if you're depressed to bring you up so for me i have young children life gets crazy I'd put too much on my plate. I am just one of those type A personalities who loves to do everything and at the same time. (laughs) And so once I took ashwagandha, it like calms me down a couple notches. I don't get as stressed. I don't get as anxious. I don't get as overwhelmed. It just, it creates this calm Zen mood. So all my friends make fun of me for being so Zen. And I'm like, well, (laughs) I wanted to be a peaceful, Zen, happy, chill person, And this herb, no matter what life throws at me, it just kind of keeps my mood a little happier and a little more regulated. Um, And then I love that it helps with cognitive function. It helps with neurological support. It's anti-inflammatory as well. It just does 50 things for the body, kind of like turmeric does.
0: Uh, Where do you find this?
2: So I have two products where I put ashwagandha Uh in there. One is my turmeric gold plus ashwagandha. So I took my flagship product and I put ashwagandha in there because everyone takes my turmeric gold. And I thought, wow, if I just gave them ashwagandha, they'd be happier, even more peaceful people. And I'm getting a great response out of that one. And then I put it in my supplement called Optimal Performance, which has all the herbs for more endurance, more stamina, it gives you that, you know, energy and focus that you want throughout the day while
0: reducing stress. Awesome. And we're going to have links to to your site and all of that so people can mm-hmm. check it out for sure. Thank you. Cool. Okay. I wanted to talk a little bit about meditation because meditation is something that, as I mentioned, when I went through personal depression within the last couple of years, I had gotten away from that. I had gotten pretty good about being very regular about it, but then gotten away from it. And as I was going through depression, I've never really gone through depression like I had in these past couple of years. Once I started putting meditation back into my daily routine, I realized how important it was. And I know Ayurveda talks about meditation as well. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Yes, for sure. So meditation, according to Ayurveda, is a big part of Having that, you know, body, mind, spirit connection that's so important for our health. If we're always on the hamster wheel of life, running around, running around, and never pausing to check in with our emotional state, our mental state, or creating that connection to oneness, then you're really missing out on the deeper, more subtle levels at which you can live. And I know when I teach meditation, people always don't want to hear it from me. They don't want to do it. And so I teach meditation in a whole different way. I teach my modern Ayurveda self-care rituals. And one of those rituals is collecting peace. And another one is tea time is me time. So I'm one of those people too. I can't sit there and meditate in total silence and stillness for 20 minutes. It's just not happening. And so I had to find my own hybrid way to do it. And I encourage everyone to do that. Find your way that you love. So collecting peace just means okay if I have 10 minutes free any time in my day I will either take a walk outside or I will park somewhere where there's greenery open my windows and just take deep breaths just pause no phone no music no radio no nothing no audiobooks and collect peace which means just sit in the stillness and the silence check in with your body check in with your emotions check in with yourself Check in with your gut, your intuition, and just know in that moment, everything is fine. Everything is good. You can acknowledge what you're grateful for if you want. A lot of times in those moments, I'll say, you know what? I committed to this, this, and this, and that's just too much. That's inhuman. Why would I do that to myself? I'm going to shift this. I'm going to move that. I need to make this more realistic and doable. So that's one big way that I meditate. I just take those deep breaths and zone out. You can even do it while driving if you want, like no radio, no phone, and collect that peace. Because um, I find oftentimes we're so overstimulated, overconnected, overaccessible. So that's my way to unplug from everyone and collect peace, which I take as a form of my meditation. Or I do tea time is me time, which means I drink my cup of tea. And again, no phone, no laptop, no list of things to do. Just pause, sip the tea, focus on the joy of sipping that nice warm drink, and that's it. And again, it's that time for your brain to just check in with all its systems that it's connected to inside of you. Or you can just acknowledge how great life is and how beautiful it is, and then move on with your day. It's like checkpoints.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people have misconceptions about meditation, even some of my friends who I've talked to about Anxiety and stress. And when I mention meditation, one of the first, and I'm sure you've heard this too, one of the first things they say is, Oh, I, I can't keep still that long. Or, No, right. I, my mind goes all over the place. And I say, Well, that's, that's not, it's not about sitting there in a dark room and not thinking anything that 's right. not what it 's about um, one of the things I, I love there 's a lot of free apps out there that even on YouTube if you just YouTube some guided meditations, one of the apps that I found recently and the first ten are free is uh, an app called waking up and it 's by Sam Harris, who did a lot of work and does a lot of work in the um, meditation space and uh, i I really love the way his approach is it's it is more of the sitting still, but it 's not about not thinking about anything. It's more about understanding and kind of detaching and following your thoughts versus, versus, uh, you know, supposed to sit there for 20 minutes with a blank screen in your mind that doesn't work for anybody. (laughs) Nobody can do that. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of misconception about another one, like very much like you, I like walking and I think walking clears the mind quite a bit because it's that physical movement that helps me. That's the one thing I missed from when I was running, when I was able to run, I'm not able to run anymore. But when I was running, it was very meditative to me, very meditative, just the rhythm of your feet moving in a certain way. And before you knew it, I was eight miles out, you know, and it was just just such a great feeling. Another thing I wanted to talk about was the importance of morning and evening rituals. And I know, so we're going to talk a little bit about your book, your upcoming book coming out, which is currently titled Modern Ayurveda, right? I think that's yes. gonna, it's the, the working title anyways. Uh, and you've got that coming out next month in January of 2019. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and you talk in your book, a little, I got a little sneak peek at your book. You talk about the importance of routines and how that fits into self-care. Can you expand a little bit about that?
2: Sure. So I have found that there's different phases that we go through in life, some more stressful, some busier, some amazing. It just depends. And I could see that through those ups and downs and fluctuations and um, time points, it really helped to have a self-care plan in place that invested in prevention, detoxification, and was a way for me to keep, keep filling my own cup and get my own self-care and self-love in, in a way that I was always set up for success with my children, my family, my co-workers, my team, my household, everybody. So self-care rituals are a morning and evening ritual that you can do one step or you can do all 10 steps or 12 steps, whatever you want to do. And it's a way to truly feel whole and nourished. I find that if I run around like crazy and do everything I think I'm supposed to do, I end up depleted, tired, and eating those carbs we talked about that we're not (laughs) supposed to eat. And then there's other times where I am relaxed and happy and whole and nourished, but it's because I chose to pause and take care of myself. So I took the self-care tips out of Ayurveda and put them in a format that we in modern times can utilize while also pulling the science and the reason why. Because I'm from the West. I need to know why. If you're going to ask me to pull metal across my tongue, please tell me what that's really doing for me, and then I'll be willing to do it. Um, and so in the book, I just I share all the rituals and, and a little bit about my history with it so people can understand why my desire for health is so potent for every single person I can meet and talk to. I just want everyone to do more self-care every day and feel better.
0: Yeah. And since I started, I mentioned to you before we started recording that because of your book, I did go ahead and, and purchase a tongue scraper to start that as part of my morning ritual, along with the turmeric tea that, that I have. And uh, it, it makes such a difference mentally. It really does to know that I'm taking a little bit of extra time to take care of myself
2: it does. It makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So in the morning, some of the self-care rituals include the tongue cleaner, like you mentioned. Um, it involves you know, touching the ground, touching your forehead and setting one intention for the day, just starting with that acknowledgement of, you know, thank you, Mother, Earth, or thank you, universe, for whoever you acknowledge, thank you for this new day. Um, Another step is splashing your eyes with cold water when you wake up because then it really wakes you up and you're fresh and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for the day, literally. Another is after you brush to use your tongue cleaner. And the tongue cleaner, when you use it on your tongue 7 to 14 times, it removes a buildup of plaque and the white film that forms on the tongue. So it's really a great detoxification ritual. Mm Because in Ayurveda, we teach that all the body's organs are reflected on the tongue. Just like in traditional Chinese medicine, they teach that all the body's organs are reflected on the feet, which is why they do reflexology. So, if you can do this two second activity, maybe five seconds, called using your tongue cleaner morning and night, you're gently detoxing all the organs of the body and you'll have a much fresher, cleaner mouth. And we know that that plaque and buildup in the mouth contributes to heart health, brain health, and other things. Um, Another very popular one out of the morning rituals is using oil pulling. So oil pulling is putting sesame oil or coconut oil in the mouth for up to 20 minutes. Sometimes I just do five minutes. So it's about what you can do, but holding that oil in the mouth. And when you spit it out, make sure you don't spit it out in the shower or the (laughs) sink or the toilet, only in the trash because it'll clog up the um, pipes of your home. But oil pulling removes that excess plaque and bacteria out of the mouth. It's really, really important to do that. So some of them are less fun because they are about our preventive health. And then some of them are really fun because it's about just loving yourself. One is called a pyeong massage. A is massaging your body head to toe in warm sesame oil. And that one I reserve for a bad day. Let's say it's been a really long day. I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. I don't wanna reach for the pantry for those 10 foods I'm not supposed to eat or make a night nice place of nachos at the end of the night. Nachos are my go-to food. <laughs> um, I'll instead say, okay, I'm just gonna go upstairs and do my massage. And I'll go upstairs, yeah. put a towel down in my bedroom, and I'll do my dry brushing, and then I'll do an up-young massage, and all of a sudden you feel so grounded, so relaxed, take a shower, get in your pajamas, and it, It kind of gave you that thing you were craving that you didn't even know you were craving, which is so nice.
0: Yeah, it is. And you know, we beat ourselves up so badly. I think the internal talk, the negative, I know, I know I have and I know Larissa and and I have talked about this before. People just tend to beat themselves up so badly about the day they had and why did I say that? Or why did I do that? And really doing things like for yourself like this is a way to to love yourself and it, you can't really think that way about yourself when you're doing things to love yourself like this. so it really did, has taken a lot of that negative self talk even the little things like I said, even just like starting tongue scraping or starting just the the um massage or whatever uh, are just ways we get away from that because I think so many people just are so hard on themselves.
2: It's true. All day long, we are dealing with that inner monologue. Mm -hmm. And I think for the majority of us, it's not a great one. And so each act of self-care is a tiny little drop in that cup of self-care. And I just think of it as, I I can tell on any given day if I have done self-care or not, because by evening, I have that barometer of, you know, I'm really tired or I'm hungry or I'm mentally exhausted from the conversation in my own head about what got done and didn't. So that's when I immediately say, wait a minute, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. I have to change it. And I'm not saying I have to change my whole life. I don't have to change my career. I'm saying I'm just going to go upstairs in my own home and do some awesome self-care for myself. I know how to make myself feel better. And it's free. It's in my own home.
0: Yeah, and you know what? One, one thing I was going to add is one. That's one thing that meditation has done for me is help me to detach and to observe those thoughts that I have from a distance, from an observer. Versus when I was just not feeling well or feeling depressed or feeling angry or whatever, I didn't disassociate myself. I, I tend, yeah, and a lot of people they tend to. You just feel I feel cranky. Why do you feel cranky? Meditation helps me make that separation when you're looking at your own, observing your own thoughts more, more of like away from them versus just experiencing them. That is one thing that meditation has helped me do so that I can then understand how to remedy it. It's almost like if you have a crying child, you don't understand how to, you're, if you're, if you're not observing or seeing what you can from the outside, you can't really fix things. (laughs) So uh, yeah, so that, that is really one way meditation has helped me. That's awesome. Okay, one final question here before we let you go. I want to be very respectful of your time here. Uh, I wanted to ask you, it, it it is very difficult, as I mentioned when, when we started this um, discussion, modern medicine is very uh, very much about treating something that's already gone wrong. And to find doctors that are more holistic or Ayurveda is, can be very difficult depending on, on where you are. How would you recommend someone find an Ayurveda practitioner that can, can help them if this is something that is, it is inter, interests them?
2: So it's interesting. Um, in India, an Ayurvedic doctor is a bachelor's of Ayurvedic medical sciences. It's truly an Ayurvedic doctor Um, it's a form of medicine in India. There's Western medicine, allopathic medicine that's practiced and Ayurvedic medicine as well. There's Ayurvedic hospitals, practices, all of it. Here in the US, we don't really have that. We do have great schools of Ayurveda that teach people how to be Ayurvedic practitioners or Ayurvedic lifestyle coaches. Um, And so based on my studies, I love sitting down with people and doing the lifestyle consultation and saying, this is where you are. And these are the different self-care rituals and lifestyle changes and eating changes that you can make or um, healthy eating changes really that can create a big impact to helping you balance your dosha and how you're feeling. Um, And then when it comes to an Ayurvedic practitioner who is more qualified to dig into like your health issues, that I would recommend doing a search in your own city I know there's one website called A4N, the Anti-Aging Association of Medicine I think it stands for. Okay. And I'm a member of that organization because it has a ton of functional medicine, integrative doctors, a lot of very open-minded health practitioners who kind of got into this because of their own health issues, many of whom are MDs, DOs, RNs, all of those things. So that's another website I know that's a great resource for
0: searching for more alternative or integrative doctors. Okay. And you said that was A, what was that site again?
2: A, the number 4M. So their website might be
0: a4m.com. Okay. That way I can include that in the show notes. Sure. Okay. So just to wrap up here, we will have, as I mentioned, we will have uh, links to your website, which is shivanigupta.com, and then also Fusionary Formula. So that's your uh, supplement.
2: Company. Yes, my the Herbal
0: supplement company. Awesome. So we will have uh, a link to that also. And then to your Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Shivani Gupta.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Shivani Gupta was unavailable. So it's the Shivani Gupta.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us, Shivani. We really appreciate your time today. And we really look forward to seeing your book come out next month. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It
2: was very thank nice you. hearing you. Yes, thank you so much guys.
0: Okay, well that was a great great interview. I really appreciated having Shivani on the show. I I had myself had not I had heard about Ayurveda but I had not uh, really gotten to know that much about it and to be able to speak with someone who is so knowledgeable about this it was it was uh really enlightening
1: well and this was good too because we've had numerous requests for yes. this topic uh, to be covered on the podcast for uh from members of the peas and carrots society on facebook so you know i think this is kind of checking off that box too and and we did it in a really really uh fun and and uh informative super informative way with shivani
0: yeah and you know this reminded me a lot of our interview that we did with dr to johnson as well uh when we talk about holistic practices and i think what's really cool about a lot of these these practices is that you know just kind of like the approach that many in our community take with respect to vegetarian veganism and you know living more whole food plant-based i think that you know you do have some folks on our spectrum and the their journeys where they are, you know, 100% strict vegetarian vegan. And then you've got others that are kind of in in the part where they're just trying to implement some of these more regularly into their life. And I think you can approach Ayurveda in the same way. So maybe some of the things don't resonate for you right now, but maybe there are a few things that you can incorporate into your life that will make you happier and healthier.
1: Right. And any any little things that we can do, you know, those little things add up to big things, right? Right, right. Okay, well, I think that does it for our episode this week.
0: Until next time, peace out. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now
2: by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a
0: happy body and a healthy mind.